Okay, great. Lee, let's talk about your foreign policy piece about the collapse of the two-party system. All right. Well, that wasn't my headline, um, but it was grabby, wasn't it? It was. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know if the two-party system is going to collapse, but here's what I do know from my understanding of the history of American political parties is that like every 30, or 30 years or so, we kind of have something like a realignment of the party system. And our current party system, I'd say, probably goes back to about 1980. So that makes it about 40 years old. So probably due for some sort of realignment, except that I don't know what the cross-cutting issue would be. And normally there's a cross-cutting issue that causes a realignment. Um, the other thing I, I know, and I sort of know because I stole this from Sam Huntington, is that every 60 years or so, we have these moments of uh, sort of democracy upheaval or what uh, Huntington calls creedal politics in which we do some pretty pretty major uh, changes to how we do democracy in the US. So the Revolutionary War, well, then, then we invented democracy or modern democracy in the 1830s and encouragement of a lot of non-property owners, uh, non-property whites, men still, uh, 18 progressive era, you know, direct democracy, primary, Senate elections, uh, enfranchisement of women, 1960s, uh, enfranchisement of a lot of blacks and uh, sort of some good government reform. So that makes uh, 2020s uh, a new era for democracy reform, he says, hopefully. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah, I think there's some potential for democracy reform, I'm a little more skeptical of these particular kinds of, um, of cyclical theories. And I want to actually, I mean, I want to sort of question the notion of, of cross-cutting, the importance of cross-cutting issues and realignments. I think that there's actually been, like, there's really the one big cross-cutting issue, which is race. And so I think we really ought to reconceptualize what we talk about when we talk about divisions both within and, and um, between parties. And I recently, so we're here to talk about your work, but I'm going to talk about my work too. So I love your work, Julia. Thank you, Lee. Likewise. Um, this is, so one of two book projects that I'm sort of um, vaguely working on at this moment, but one of them I recently presented at um, the American Political Science Association. And um what I'm looking at is how intra-party divisions have um, shaped the two parties in different ways. But what's important, I think, is that this all comes down to like, what do you do with this with this rump faction in American politics of people who are concentrated to some degree in the South, but they're not limited to there, who really are motivated by by their belief in racial hierarchy and white supremacy, and they've never constituted a majority in either party. I wouldn't say, but I think they have. They they have always constituted a kind of critical um a critical constituency so i think instead of thinking about like oh what are the issues that might cross you know might cut across both parties and like maybe the environment will be repoliticized in a new way or, or you know it's something like so. that it's uh, yeah for sure but like i think what we have to think about is how do we have a multi-ethnic democracy given given the presence of this um, this segment of the electorate that's electorally crucial. I think that's a harder question, but I think the reason you see these kinds of party systems that you describe so nicely in your article is in part because we keep kicking that question down. And that also, I think, forms the relationship between 
the party systems you describe in your article and these kind of democratic reform moments that you've just described. Yeah, so absolutely. That's kind of the formative rift in American politics and one we still haven't entirely reconciled, although you know, I think we are becoming a, a much more progressive country on these issues. Uh, I mean, you, you know, my solution, which would be to isolate all the all the racists into one, you know, far right party and then just keep them out of government, which is what they do throughout Western Europe for the most part. Um, but, you know, I think it, it's really hard to a two party system that we have really re requires a fair amount of consensus over what is our you know, national identity. And if you, you know, you look comparatively and you look what constitutional design uh, experts would say if you have a, a, a diverse multi-ethnic society, the thing you definitely don't want to do is have a majoritarian system of government where you concentrate power in one party and then the, the minority feels like they're totally out of power and that the other side is going to use that power to oppress them, whether it's, you know, the, the minority of white evangelical Christians or, you know, more commonly the, the minority of, of black voters in this country. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that these are important insights, and I also think that there's your the way you pose the problem sort of has a solution. I think the only way out of this is is through, and I think that on the one hand you want to isolate some of these forces, but then on the other hand you want to come up with a way to make them to to incorporate them into the polity and make them sort of have a sense of a stake of in something else in the polity, so that losing won't completely destroy their lives, even if the country moves away from their their racial interests. And that, I think, is is kind of fundamental political work. All right. Well, we solved that all in six minutes, right? Solved it. Good. Good job. Good job.